How you doing, Arizona Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the Arizona Podcast. I'm your host, Dax. I'm joined by Javi, <laughs> Players Program U. Uh, remember to visit the website at playersprogramu.com and follow him on Twitter at playersprogramu. Uh, also, remember to follow Gabe Encinas at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon Combs at U of A Bear Down 07. You can follow the podcast on uh, Twitter at Podcast Zona. You can uh, visit us on Facebook at the Arizona Podcast. You can email us at Arizona Podcast at gmail.com. We are a players program. Since we talked, Javi, last time we were talking, we were hoping that um, Dixon wasn't going to play for Washington and that Brandon Williams was going to be ready to go in that game. And a lot's happened since then. Let's go ahead and just cover things uh, from most recent, and then we'll kind of wind our way back because it's been a positive week and and we want to work on a positive note. So most recently, the Wildcats just took down uh, Stanford in a pretty impressive fashion. Um, After Stanford played ASU pretty tight up in Tempe, um, what did you think of the overall performance this week with two wins? Oh, it was was a great performance. Um, team, Team came out ready to play. Obviously, with Brandon Williams um, being back in the lineup, it was like a shot in the arm uh, for all the players, um, especially Brandon Randolph. I think he really plays a lot better with Williams in the in the lineup, um, and it's just we're finally uh, hitting all cylinders. And I think that uh, you know we're definitely going to be at our best going into the tournament. Yeah, let's just. Uh, take that tangent right out of the gate on the two uh, Brandons. You know, we lost uh, we lost uh, Brandon Williams, and prior to that, when we had had Jeter out for a couple games, there was a lot of talk about Jeter being the most valuable player. I think at that point, and I don't know if we had talked about it much. Um, you know, remind me, were we in agreement that we felt like Williams was the most talented player, but Jeter might have yes. been the most valuable? Is, is yes. That, at that time, was that a fair statement? Oh yeah, and I still believe Jeter is the most valuable because uh, we lose so much size. But Brandon Williams is, is the best player on the team. I mean, skill wise, uh, he creates his own shots. He he's the assist leader, um, and he just he makes everybody else better. 
Yeah, and you know, it's a real testament to, you know, what he's been able to come in for the team, playing at the two to make sure that Coleman can be out there at the one and still being a big contributor, like he said, bringing lots of assists to the table. Uh, tonight, they intentionally uh, limited his time. Um, he only had... 18 minutes. So they started out saying he was probably only going to play about... Uh, 12 minutes in this game, so they ended up stretching out a little bit more, and I think that's just a testament to his, you know, his significance for the team. I was kind of waffling as to whether I felt like he might be the most valuable player, but I think the the argument that uh, we really lack any depth, uh, you know, having Jeter is our our only true big man. I, I mean, I know Luther's a big man, but he's a stretch four. So when he when he was forced to go under the basket to replace Jeter, he really just was completely playing out of his element, and and it uh, adversely impacted his game. Um, so. You know, Brandon Williams comes back, has 18 minutes. Um, why don't you lay us with the rest of the stat line there? Yeah, so he was uh, one for four, uh, 0 for two for from three. I thought he made a three pointer there, but uh, two for two from free throw, one rebound, three assists, and uh, a couple turnovers. Yeah, so you know, to your point that you know uh, he's got three assists. That's second uh, to to Coleman with five in the game and he's playing at the one and, and uh, Coleman's playing at the one and, and Randolph's at the, I mean, excuse me, Williams is at two, but I, I wanted to get back to your point about how much it mattered to the other Brandon, Brandon Randolph. He was smoking hot from three earlier in the season. And let's not forget, this is a U of a team that was leading the pack 12 in standings uh, out of the gate. And he mm-hmm. had gone ice cold in the game. And here he comes back and he hits uh, two for three. He had 10 points, uh, on four for ten shooting, um, he also had two rebounds in 27 minutes of play. Like you said, Randolph really rejuvenated now that Williams is back in the lineup. Yeah, it's the it's like uh, what were they they're calling them the two Brandons. Um, so yeah, they just feed off each other, and I think that Randolph really can't be the he, he really can't um, be the man. Uh, I guess you could say as far as um, the one we can count on. I don't know if it's too much pressure, if it's a mental thing. Um, but once Brandon Williams is in there, then he can facilitate and you could just see, see the difference. I mean, he scored 10 points, I mean, all in the second half and, you know, it just made such a huge difference. Yeah. I, I think he, you know, he, he really was quite a deadly, uh, pull up three, uh, shooter. Uh, certainly he's not the D on the three and D, uh, but that's really gone to Dylan Smith this year. Uh, but his three point shooting has just completely evaporated for him. He's Oh, for four tonight. Um, but yeah. he comes in and, uh, Casey Akpala has really been a force to deal with, uh, Brandon's, uh, or excuse me, uh, Dylan Smith was on him for most of the evening, holds him to 10 points on five for nine shooting, uh, 0 for 1 from 3, um, despite getting 36 minutes for Akpala back in the game. Uh, you know, it's obvious that Miller really puts a lot of um, value on his senior players, and he's brought out Dylan Smith despite, I think, a pretty high uh, you know, number of turnovers and, and difficulty handling the ball, and his three-shot three evaporate on him. What's your take yep. on uh, Dylan's play of late? Um, you know, I was... I was really down on Dylan Smith earlier in the season, uh, but he actually, I think he played really well against California, uh, our last game and the last couple losses. Uh, he was the reason that we were in the game and, you know, he's, he's not afraid to keep shooting, which is good. Cause it kind of seemed like Randolph. He just kind of didn't want to shoot anymore. Once he started missing his shots, he lost confidence, but at least with Smith, he just, it doesn't matter if he's missing shots, he's going to keep shooting. He's going to keep doing what he does. And I think that, Miller knows that he's just gonna, 
you know, you can be able to count on him for that at least. Yeah, it was kind of ironic, you know, Akpala misses the ASU game and Stanford really puts up a battle but falls short up there. And then, you know, of course you knew he was going to be back for this game. Uh, I thought uh, Sharma looked really good for Stanford. I, I've been impressed in the minutes I've seen him. I I remember him being much stiffer and, and not really as smooth um, <clears throat> earlier in his career. And he really has transformed his game into a, a much more, uh, you know, I would call it a liquid one. His, his, his dynamic play has substantially improved from last season and you know Stanford isn't exactly uh, a world beater but I I don't think that this you know a 70 to 54 results anything you should shake your head at um, given a where the Wildcats have been and how Stanford has been playing of late what do you think of uh, uh, Stanford's performance and any of the players there that you want to highlight besides maybe Sharma I think Akpala is the the obvious guy you want to talk about and De Silva's obviously been having a pretty good season Oh yeah, De Silva. De Silva. Um, he, I think he had a good shooting night. And Sharma, like you said, he was uh, pretty, pretty good on the inside. Uh, Davis, you know, he's pretty good. Um, I was just mostly impressed with us being able to stop um, Akpala because he had his way with us the first time we played him. And then I was expecting to see the same thing. I was expecting him to go for twenty-five at least, and he he got only ten points. I was shocked. Yeah, I, I, I'm uh, reticent leaving out uh, Dejon Davis. He had uh, 14 points in in 38 minutes on uh, you know two for five from three three uh, from the three and uh, four for 11 shooting. Um, the team um, played really well. Uh, Arizona had quite a few. Uh, Points in the paint. That was an area that was a point of emphasis. Again, uh, three-point shooting was pretty abysmal for both teams. And I don't know if that was more of a reflection of the shooting or the defense uh, or a little bit of both. Uh, Overall, both teams shot in the 40s. uh, Stanford at 40% and Arizona at 44%. Um, Three-point shooting, though, Stanford only 20% and Arizona at 30%. And uh, the assist... uh, the assists uh, were pretty even at 13. Uh, Stanford had quite a few, uh, quite a few steals in the game, five steals. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, right. Although uh, Stanford did have 15 turnovers, which matches pretty close to their earlier season result, where I believe they had 19 turnovers in the first game. Well, I mean, we only had nine, nine turnovers in the game, but um, some of those steals, I think they happened a little early. I know Williams had a couple um, turnovers, and then Coleman, he usually has a couple. Uh, so I don't think that that was too big a deal, but um, I think the big surprise of the game was was actually Ira Lee, uh, 16 points. Um, he just came up so big uh, when Jeter fouled out. Then you know I know every Arizona fan was probably like holding their breath, but he well, just came right in. The, uh, that's the point in the game where it all falls apart for us, right? Yeah, exactly. And and Lee stepped right up. He his his hook shot was unstoppable. Um, you know, and he was just like, he's a totally different player from what he was uh, at the beginning of the year. He couldn't even go uh, three or four minutes without committing two fouls. So, yeah. So, uh, on 20 minutes, uh, I really got 16 points. He was, uh, six for seven shooting, uh, and four from four from the line. Um, so, you know, I know there at the end, he really hauled the line and even, um, uh, Jason Shear, who's not too shy about making critical comments about uh, basically anyone, um, was pretty um, demonstrative in his comments about uh, Ira Lee carrying the team at that point. Um, you know, I thought overall it was a pretty good contribution to the team with with all the things that have been going on. I think we ought to spend a few minutes since we haven't had a chance to talk to uh, about uh, some things that have happened. 
happened before we go back and, and work our way back and talk about the Cal game. Um, and then maybe some other stuff that's happened on social media this week. And then we'll start <clears throat> going back games as far as we have time for. Um, okay. So w- a little bit of uh, a chatter has been thrown out there about um, Jeter and his play coming back from his injury. Um, let's just take a second. I think Brandon Williams came in and, and uh, you know, as evidenced by the additional time that he got, um, you know, showed that he was pretty much back at, at 100% in game action. Um, but when Jeter came back, he did not come back as quite dominant as he did. I would attribute more of that to his injury, but there was a little bit of chatter about maybe he wasn't playing, you know, he's a little soft or, or, or something to that effect uh, was the inclination of fans. I think Jeter's really done well this year, considering he's really our only, our only paint big. And I, I think that you could put a lot more on him coming back from the injury uh, than anything to do with his play style. I mean, he's he's a lanky guy. He's not exactly going to be down there banging elbows and and uh, throwing his weight around. I mean, yeah, I I hate to call him soft, but I mean, at times that's that's just the way he plays. I mean, I don't know if you saw a few games back where Miller was really laying into him uh, because he wasn't boxing out. I mean, he was totally getting dominated um, throughout the whole game, and you know, it's just. Uh, it's just it's frustrating to see but coming back from injury he definitely I think it was mental um, and physical because he wasn't 100 percent I know he said he was 100 percent but yeah he definitely wasn't he's already had uh, back surgeries and injuries in the past and I think it was just mostly mental he just had to get over that hump yeah I think Miller laying in anybody's like uh, that's like saying water's wet to say Miller laid into a player but I, I get what you're saying yeah I, I never took it as that but I, I think his his game is his game but I think as he's sort of settled back in he's gotten a lot smoother around the rim but uh, yeah I suppose you could call him more of a finesse five than a than a power five just based on his physique alone oh, yeah. and and he, you know he's got good feet and the way he plays underneath he's definitely not a space eater he's a uh, He's more of a, uh, you know, move around his opponent kind of guy. Unfortunately, Alex Barcelo is the only guy who really hasn't sort of stepped in and and established a, uh, a point. You know, going back to the ASU game, he hit that three um, and when the Wildcats took the lead. And I thought, here it goes. He's finally going to start making them. He's he's back in Phoenix, and here's his chance to, to <laughs> you know, show, show what for. And, uh, you know, yep. it, uh, tonight he was one for one from three, which is, you know, nice. But yep. uh, just continues to look like he's out of place on the team. What would you make of Hibbs' performance at this point? Um, you know what? He he does his best. He, he's Mr. Hustle. And I think eventually, you know, the threes are going to start falling. I mean, he's a really good shooter in practice like we all know. But it just hasn't translated over the games yet. And I think that uh, he's the type of player that can be – Maybe become kind of like a TJ McConnell once he's, you know, here for four years. Yeah, I hate to put that comp on him because, you know, you always you feel like you're putting the death curse on someone, especially as someone as beloved as uh, TJ was. But it's interesting you say that. I, I think with uh, Nico Mannion coming in next year and 
and likely to take over at the one and Coleman gone, I assume Williams is going to stay at the two and not to jump too far forward, but with a current seven and eight standing in the Pac-12 and pretty much needing the the tournament to uh, Pac-12 tournament win to get us into the NCAA. I think it's at least reasonable to start peeking forward. I think he should redshirt and give himself that chance that TJ had to continue to develop physically and and um, and give himself a chance to develop some confidence and work on his defensive game and and certainly he could fall into that role I, it would be certainly uh, pie in the sky to hope that he has the same kind of um, impact that TJ had at the program but even if he was TJ if, even if he was a poor man's TJ McConnell that that would certainly be a substantial uh, get for the program and a big improvement over his current status. That's interesting. I didn't even think of that. I th- I think we're going to actually have to have him as our backup point guard next year. Um, but I mean, who knows? Who knows uh, what what Miller's going to do? Keep saying he's going to bring in more players. Um, but I think I think he's going to be the backup. I think he'll be good. You know, backing up uh, Nico. Yeah, it's interesting. The redshirt really doesn't get used a lot in basketball, and a lot of guys leave in their junior year, and and either they end up playing overseas or you know have a D league stint. And you know, I've never understood why people have a problem with using all five years of eligibility. It seems, uh, you know, unless you're, uh, it's so tough to get into the NBA. There's so few slots that matter. Even second round picks, really, you know, oh, yeah. you know, it's far from a guarantee. So I think unless you're one of those guys that that. You know, certainly a lottery guy. I get why you'd go, but short of that, I think you take every opportunity to improve. It's it's too bad that the sort of stigmata of a college player that sticks around and has a few years under the belt is that it's sort of a negative judgment on them come draft time uh, in the in the association. So that's too bad. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I really hope. I hope uh, he stays. I really like him. I know uh, there's been rumors of him um, possibly uh, transferring. Uh, next season I mean I guess it's a possibility but I'm hoping it stays and you know it's it's kind of died down now people aren't talking about that as much but I mean there are going to be you know transfers yeah and that's just kind of the nature of the beast at Arizona as as you get recruited over he would be a prime candidate to move on and we can certainly spend some time on that once we get the um, get to the end of the season and kind of look forward to the next um um, you know, hopefully we win the Pac-12 tournament. We're looking forward to the tournament, the NCAs. <laughs> but um, if that isn't the case, we'll spend a little time talking about the incoming class, the transfers, and, and who we think may or may not go. Because I think that's a really interesting area and, and always an area that's very dynamic for Arizona with the level that Sean Miller recruits at. Um, let's spend a little time talking about uh, Devin Air. Uh, he didn't score at all in this game. Uh, grabbed a couple rebounds. Uh, did have a turnover. Played 12 minutes. I know he's sort of been a hot commodity and another guy that you might have on transfer watch, but his minutes have slowly been, uh, you know, accumulating as there's been, um, you know, injuries both to Jeter and to um, uh, Williams. What, what do you make of his play at this point in the season? Um, I mean, I think he's been, he's done well. He's, he's, when he comes in, he, he's always getting on a stat sheet. I mean, this game, he doesn't have any points, but I mean, he got a couple rebounds in 12 minutes. Um, and you know, he's just, I think he does, he does well with the limited time that he's getting. So I really don't see him leaving or I'm hoping that he's going to stay. Um, but yeah, every time he comes in, he keeps earning more minutes and, um, you know, it's it's good to see finally uh, see him getting the minutes. Some whispers about him with sort of an attitude slash maturity thing. Any any fire around that smoke? Um, you know, 
I heard, I've heard it, but I honestly don't think that he's going to leave. Um, I know a couple people that are close to him, and it does not sound like he's going to be leaving. But I mean, anything can happen. We could, you know, once the season comes to an end, then we'll find out if if he's really going to be staying or not. Yeah, we'll also have to see who Miller brings in. You know, I, I, I'm guessing the transfer market's going to be a lot hotter for him. And in college basketball, the transfer market is much more meaningful than than it is in, in football. So uh, Miller's going to be yeah. a hot commodity to pick up a couple transfers. I don't know how well we've done on that transfer market, to be completely honest. Uh, but they may he may be looking for guys that are more impact now and, and look to bring in another uh, elite-level recruiting class to get himself to the top. I think the lesson we've learned, um, and we might as well take a second and just take a little tangent over to it, uh, in the whole Mark Schleybaugh destroyed uh, recruiting <laughs> class uh, situation was um, when you're a program that recruits at an elite level – uh, with a lot of one and duns, you can't afford to miss on a single class. It just absolutely hamstrings you. You don't have that oh, yeah. sort of sustainable depth. But um, <clears throat> you want to make a comment on on sort of how the one and done in Arizona recruiting's been, and and how how that le- you le- it's like a self fulfilling prophecy, or maybe like a football program that does a lot of Jake uh, JUCO recruits. You got to oh, kind of yeah. keep going back to that well. Yeah, you got to keep going back to the well because uh, I mean it's just. It's any of the the the, the good teams they, they recruit the one and dones and I mean a lot of people don't like it but I mean what are you gonna do that's just we get we get five star players and you you hope they're gonna stay but I mean you can't control if they just decide that they're gonna leave even even players that aren't good enough to go are going so you got Kobe Simmons and uh, Chance Comanche and I mean it's just one of those things where you know something like uh, that ESPN article. It was uh, a year ago yesterday when, when it came out, um, and uh, yeah, that that was one of the worst things that could have ever happened to any program, um, you know. And I think uh, when it came out, everybody thought it was true because it's not something that you usually see come out and and it's disproven. So it was just one of those things where there's still people that think it's true, and it's just you know, it's, it's amazing that Miller's uh, been able to get the number one recruiting class for 2019 after after all that yeah i think there's a big stretch between you believe that college basketball is dirty and and coaches know about it and and quote knowing that sean miller you know was on a recording offering cash i mean those two things are so um their entire galaxies away from each other uh an elite level recruiting coach with that kind of experience to have the the lack of insight to be involved in a conversation of that magnitude um with you know basically a a fringe handler uh would just show a colossal lack of insight into the circumstances you know that compared to yeah you know, a wink, a nod, uh, a private conversation with a a, a confidant on the staff, uh, like an mm-hmm. assistant coach who's now no longer with the team. Those those are radically different concepts. So, um, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think it's just obnoxious. But um, so Schleybot tweeted out uh, recently uh, dot dot dot, and <laughs> uh, at my last check, um, he was rocking the ratio. 
uh, pretty hard. And just as you, as you would expect, Arizona uh, Twittered them uh, immediately, you know, laid into them and, and lit them up. So oh, I, yeah. you, and awesome. you were, of course, leading the charge there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I had to throw my two cents in there, but uh, it's awesome. I'm pretty sure it's it's at least over 100 replies from Wildcat fans um, going after him. Let's just pull it up here. Can't be that far back. There it is right there. 96, we're close. 96? So, yeah, 96. So, yeah. It'll be, it'll be 100 by tomorrow. Oh yeah, easily. So you, you, your tweets like when you look up and see the most unreliable source in sports, and it's got the whole team looking up at Schley Boss uh, tweet. Oh, yeah. That was one of the better ones I've seen. So uh, definitely props on your social media prowess there. Um, so I was going to ramble on uh, about something as that relates to Schleybaugh on the program, uh, but I honestly can't remember what I was going to talk about. So let's uh, let's uh, move back to California. Uh, okay. So at, at the point that we had gotten to the California game. Uh, it had been since the year before Lute Olson that Arizona had lost that many games in a row. Am, am I off on that stat? Does that sound right to you? Yes. Yeah, uh, the year was before Lute Olson. I think it was 1983. 83, yeah. And right. so coming into the Cal game, now Cal hasn't won a, a Pac-12 game in a calendar year. So there was hope uh, coming into the game. Um, and you were eternally optimistic. I, I was not. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, you, as usual, were. Um, we didn't have uh, Brandon Williams back for this game, um, but we didn't need him. Uh, Ryan Luther, uh, you know, went off in this game, uh, seven for ten uh, from field goals. He had another ASU-esque night at five for eight from the three-point line, um, racked up 19 points. Um, and one block, uh, Chase Jeter, I think was falling nicely into form. He was six from eight from the floor. Uh, he had 13 points in 25 minutes. Uh, Brandon Randolph was still at this point, I think without Williams, like you pointed out one from four from three point, but, uh, three from 10, uh, from the field, uh, not, not seven points. And, uh, Barcelo had himself a night. Um, he, he actually went to the rack a lot, uh, shot seven for seven from the free throw line, uh, was three from seven, uh, from the floor, but only one from five from three, but racked up 14 points in 18 minutes. And, uh, Devin retrieve, as you, you pointed out, uh, uh, real solid on the stat sheet, 19 minutes, three for five, two for four from three, um, with 11 points. I think this was a kind of game where my takeaway and it, you know i think you have to temper it with the quality of cal was this team's had a lot of moving pieces come in and out and it didn't have a lot of depth and it wasn't mm-hmm. the elite level of talent that we normally have and so getting that sort of consistency and timing i liked how the team passed the ball assisted and defended in this game and i felt like for the first time i had a little bit of hope that maybe this team just needed to bring it all together uh what'd you take away from the game I mean, I took away the same thing. I think it was um, they played as a team and, uh, you know, Miller had them ready. I think that, you know, they had some good practices and it was just uh, we really needed to get a win and we didn't have Williams, you know, and it's like we just they just needed to somebody needed to step up. And luckily, uh, Luther stepped up, you know, Um, I don't know if you heard, but Williams pretty much uh, Miller pretty much sat Luther down and told him that he needs to start shooting and he just told him straight up you know like you know you're gonna shoot and i guess it was uh luther he's, he's finally listening and 
you know, that's that's what we needed. And like you said, Bar- Barcello and uh, Devonair, they stepped up, and you know, everybody stepped up at the at the right time, the last game, and you know, it just builds our confidence. And it was just just one of those games where if we would have lost that game, I don't even know how what would. Yeah, I, I recall the um, broadcast team on the uh, Cal game making a pretty big point about Miller talking to, to Luther and basically expressing he needed him to shoot the open three more aggressively. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he told him that he was uh, holding the team back pretty much by by not shooting as much and passing up open looks um, and sat him down. And I guess Luther finally realized and, you know, he – He's taking advantage of it now, and he's he's hitting threes. And any time that he he takes the three, he's the best shooter on the team. So that's what uh, that's what we needed. Finally stepped up last game, um, and, and and it was you know that's the player that we thought we were going to get from the beginning of the season. So it's it's really good to see him stepping it up and um, hitting threes. I think he had a, a one or two t- tonight also. But yeah, that California game that if he can play like that or even Half as good, then then you know we'll be good to go the rest of the season. How about that ASU game? Good gravy! He went unconscious in that game. Oh yeah, exactly. I can't, we almost pulled it out because of him. Yeah, he he single handedly carried us into overtime, and you know we had the lead in that game for a while too. You know, I think this the Cal game is very illustrative uh, in that it shows what this team is. I mean, despite the fact that it was a, a dominating win, you know, Arizona seventy six, Cal fifty one, and and, and, you know, it's pretty much the same final score or a comparable final score to the Stanford game. Um, you know, in the, in the Cal game, we shot 49% from the floor and 35.5% from three, uh, which is, you know, really solid. Um, and we held Cal to uh, 30% from the field goal line and, and 23.0% from the three-point line. But this is a team... Uh, for instance, that went uh, 11 for 31 from three. And then in the Stanford game, we were six for 20, six for 20. So this yeah. isn't a team that is going to live based on its offensive performance. Another indication this team's going to live and die by defense, which is interesting because, you know, when we lost our elite, you know, uh, our elite recruiting opportunity last season, Everybody felt like it might be an opportunity for Miller to bring in sort of, you know, a lunch pail, blue collar, you know, <clears throat> a Pittsburgh hard hat type guys that were going to play defense and, and, you know, work well in his system. It really hasn't, uh, you know, provided the results that you'd hope for as we're standing here at 7 and 8 and 16 and 12 overall. What do you make of that? Well, you know what? Actually, I think I, I think that we did start off like like that. You know, we were that kind of team to start the season. Um, I mean, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think we were top 25 defensively. Um, but if you think about it, what really happened was, uh, once we lost ACOT, I know, I know he wasn't really producing too much on offense. Um, but we lost, uh, his size and I mean, he was a pretty good defender. Um, if there was any way we could look at the stats from the day he left until now, uh, it probably shows that that's where we fell off and that's where the big drop off happened. And not to mention once Jeter went out and then Williams went out and I mean, Jeter's the only guy that can defend down low. Williams is not too shabby a defender himself, but the biggest, um, biggest loss was ACOT. And I mean, maybe it was also, you know, 
as a team, losing, losing a, a player, um, and a friend and stuff like that might've affected them also. Uh, but up until he left, I think that, that we really were a pretty good defensive team. That's a good point. And that kind of goes back to my whole, uh, thoughts when the Cal came together. And again, I completely understand that it was against Cal. I'm not debating that that's a bad, bad team (laughs) and it's easy to look good against them, but this is a team that looks like it just hasn't had a chance to gel. There just hasn't been enough opportunities for, for consistency, for the whole thing to come together. Yeah. I mean, ACOT certainly wasn't an offensive threat, but he he certainly was, uh, you know, a mainstay of Miller's starting rotation. And, you know, that was because of his defensive ability, uh, which has kind of slid to Dylan Smith um, subsequently, and then everybody's had to, you know, step up uh, accordingly. Um, speaking of things that that have changed since last time we were on the podcast, uh, Acott leaving was one of them, and he's subsequently settled out at Boise State. Uh, mm-hmm. The background story there was, uh, you know, he had a. Uh, a, a former coach or confident or trainer basically telling him Miller wasn't using him right and that he needed to get yep. out of there and, and just sat down after the LA trip. That might've been happening right when we did our first podcast, but right about that transition point. So um, I don't anticipate him having much success there, uh, but maybe I'm just a little bit bitter on that. What, what do you, what do you think about him transferring to Boise state? Um, I don't either. I, I looked at their, their roster and uh, they don't have any seniors. So I don't know why he chose to go there. I mean, maybe they promised him some minutes and, you know, I think it has to do with the people that are telling him what to do, his handlers and his AAU coach or whoever was, was, was in his ear that whole time. Um, but you got to wonder if he, once he saw Williams went down, if he regretted his decision and, um, it's just, it's baffling just that he actually did it i mean at that time he could have did it a week earlier and he he would have had a he, he wouldn't have lost out on a whole semester season yeah a whole semester there um but yeah I, I don't know i mean it's going to be interesting to watch you know I, it's always interesting to watch um players who transfer and see how they do most of them don't do do so well but there's a handful that you know they do pretty good um but i always think that if they would just stay you know and and just wait their time and you know uh, you know just be patient that that it would work out best that they'd stay at arizona but i mean it's just their kids they just do what they want to do yeah i mean uh look at Chole. he he left and then immediately there was a spate of injuries right in front of him and you know i mean i think he had some you know okay uh minutes at san diego state i can't personally off the top of my head think of a um uh a Miller transfer that's gone somewhere and had even modest success. Yeah. They usually don't do too well, but you know, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll spend a little time and, and, and hunt down some of, um, some of, uh, Miller's transfers like Josiah. Ah, Turner. I can't remember. It was the point guard that came in with, uh, Derek Williams. Who was it? Yeah. I know who you're talking about. He played for the flyers or the St. John's, the reds or something like that. It's going to make you crazy. Right. Yeah. I'll have to go back through his recurring classes. But we'll make a point of going back to those just as sort of a wrap-up and, and, and go through the names because uh, if it's between you and me, I get the feeling we're never going to come up with it. We need that guy who's really good with names, and I ain't him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, yeah, I, either you have that skill set or you don't. I'd be, like, horrible in sales. Um, so it's been a good week. Um, the, you know, the Cats have gone from free fall – 
uh, you know, to seven and eight, you know, which puts them solidly in the middle of the pack. Washington's the class of the pack, and it's not even close. Um, I think they've already secured, um, if not the entire conference, they've secured at least a, a, a tie uh, in the conference. Arizona State's uh, second at 10 and 5, and um, they're going to be uh, coming up to the Oregon trip with us. Uh, they start out with Oregon. Oregon's a solid 6 and 8 after dumping its last game to UCLA and is just a really, really not good team. Um, and then we start out with Oregon State, which is a good team, and uh, just beat up on a USC. Oh, interesting stat from this yep. last uh, win over Stanford. Just wanted to throw out there. Sean Miller's never lost to Stanford. That's crazy, right? Yep. No, he's never lost to Stanford, and we got 19 straight on him. Yeah, I mean, that's so. that just shows you how. That's why whenever teams get a chance to kick Arizona, and it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, they're not going to feel bad about it. They're going to, yeah. they're going to, um, they're going to take the win and they're going to be really happy about it. So uh, Arizona is always going to get uh, school's best shots um, yeah. without question. There's only chance. <laughs> Absolutely. This is their chance to oh, do it. Cause next year I remember it was um, Momo Jones, Momo Jones. That's right. And yeah, I think he went to St. John's. Now we can look him up cause I can remember his name. Good, <laughs> good call there, man. Yeah. Usually what you me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, usually, once you stop thinking about it, is when it comes back. Iona. Iona. Is that it? Huh. I went to Iona. Yeah, from Momo Jones. All right. Well, all right. So, um, you know, we're going to be starting out here with um, Oregon State here. Um, the game is going to be on Fox Sports 1. Um, it's going to be on Thursday at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 up in Corvallis. I was just pulling up uh, Ken Palm, and uh, we're sitting right next to Oregon State. Uh, they're 76, and we're 77, so um, not that far off. A uh, little bit higher adjusted offense for Oregon State, uh, but much better adjusted defense uh, for us, but it's interesting. If you look at Kim Palm, I mean, you got Arizona and Oregon state at 76, Colorado's at 73, Oregon's at 69, still, uh, based on some of their earlier stuff, Arizona state's at 58 and then wow. Washington's at 36. I mean, that's not a very competitive pac 12. Nope. Not at all. Uh, but we were talking before we came on the air. Uh, it's been a while since you've been out to the tournament. Um, you know, I, I've gone every year for the last five years. Uh, what, what's some of your favorite parts about the Las Vegas uh, basketball tournament? You, you, last time you were there, it was at MGM, right? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, quite a while ago. But you know, it's just it's just uh, all U of A fans, and um, I, I usually go up with with friends and family, and it's just uh, usually we win the Pac-12 tournament a lot of times. You know, so it, it's just one of those things where. It's it's so close and there's really no excuse not to go. But uh, yeah, I just love going to the tournament. Yeah, Arizona absolutely carries it, and I do agree that one of the great things about going to that tournament is it, the town is red, is painted red uh, by Arizona fans. This is actually the first time in about five years I'm not going to go. I've been badgering a, a buddy of mine to go up there. And we were talking about it about a week ago and um, before these this, these two games. And uh, uh, as a lot of people have joked on Twitter, well, if I don't go this year, I'll have that much more money to spend next year. So uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of the attitude I'm taking because, you know, it's it would certainly be tough to go up there and watch them, you know, 
peter out on day one or day two or god forbid watch asu win the tournament so um, oh man that would just be awful that'd be a nightmare Speaking of which, uh, they've, they held it together. I was kind of hoping that uh, Stanford would pull off a game. But uh, ASU's staying tough at second. We're going to have to hope uh, Oregon State knocks them out um, during the Oregon trip. And maybe we get a little lucky and Oregon uh, takes them down a notch too uh, because their strength of schedule is pretty weak. And, yeah. uh, and I don't know that they have to win the tournament to, um, to get in, but I think they have to have a pretty solid showing uh, and certainly can't afford any more bad losses, which I think uh, a, an away game to Oregon might not quite qualify for, but certainly is trending in that direction. Yeah, and then they did you see they were losing to California at halftime today? Yeah, I saw that. I was kind of hoping they'd, you know, yeah. I mean, after the Pepperdine and what was the other loss I had that was right after? Princeton? They, yeah, uh, excuse me, I meant Princeton, not Pepperdine. Uh, and then the other one they had right after us um, when they laid an egg against uh, whoever it was in conference. Yeah, terrible team. I can't remember. Yeah, no, we can pull that up. That's not that hard to do. Um, but yeah, they were saying that if, uh, if they would have lost to California, they would have been out. Oh yeah, for sure. If they have one more bad home loss, they're done. Yeah. Uh, but they they don't have any more home games because oh, Washington for... State. That's who they lost to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because then we were making fun of them, and then Washington State came in here and beat us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was another awful, awful game. But I mean, that's a pretty tough schedule to end up with them. I mean, it's not inconceivable they could lose two of three, and that if they could pewter out on day one, uh, even with a bye, that might really hurt their chances. So I'm I'm pretty oh, exactly. hopeful they won't go in. Have you read any? Have you seen any projections on their any bracketology for ASU? Yeah, or just in general? No, not really. I mean, the only thing I see I see is. Uh, if they get one more bad loss, then they're pretty much done. But I know that even if they they went out, it's going to be tough. Yeah, Lenardi here. Let's see what he's got. So let's see. He's got Washington as a seven seed. So that's good news. And then that's the only thing we can hope now is is uh, ASU doesn't make it in. <laughs> yeah, that would be at least we'd have that. Yeah. So you know, ASU has its best recruiting class ever in the history of the program, and. Um, and you know, if they don't make it to the game to the uh, tournament, that would be pretty ironic. Because you know, remember back you now. So uh, CBS has uh, ASU as an 11 seed. Oh wow! Okay. So that's a pretty big. So they got Washington as uh, seven seed. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, nice. Yeah. So an 11 seed. That's interesting. And obviously this is all going to kind of depend on how the tournaments go and how the rest of it wraps up, you know? So, Oh yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It would be some small solace if, if they don't make the, the tournament at this point, you know, uh, misery loves company and, uh, yep. and we got to beat them. Then hopefully they don't make it. Yeah, exactly. That certainly <laughs> is going to hurt their odds and, and help ours. So a little short and fraud's not a bad thing. Gosh, I, I would think if, if Arizona was favored, you'd have to take Oregon state, but you think they're going to be favored then, huh? I think they're going to be favored. I think we'll be favored by, I'll say a couple points. Oh, that's interesting. So let's say, you know, Arizona's favored by two points. Would you would you put money on that? I wouldn't. No. <laughs> no, just, no, no, I wouldn't. Especially with Williams just coming back, um, and it's just this team is just not consistent when they shoot the ball. So it's you know they can if they can have a good good day shooting the three and, and making their shots, then then they'll win. But uh, man, more than half the time this season they've just been they are you know, not a three point shooting terrible. team. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is like one of the worst shooting errors on the teams that that we've ever had. So it's just, it's, uh, I would never put money on them. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and I mean you're you're pretty much hoping someone like Luther goes crazy, or Dylan Smith has a decent run, or you know, so it's not like you're talking about whether Trier's going to go off or not, or whether you're talking about you know some some more consistently uh, predictable, you know, if Aiton's going to have a a big game or not. I mean, those are things that are more likely to happen than not. Um, In in this case, it's the not is unfortunately more likely to happen. So I think that's an interesting point to bring up. There's been a, there was kind of an interesting little debate going on about like all time bad Arizona teams going back to the early Miller era when, um, you know, it was death by inches with that team. Those early teams with, um, with Miller had guys like Kyle Fogg and, and solo, would you put this team's talent on par with those? What, what's your thought process? Or is it, is it too early to tell because we don't know what Brandon Williams is going to be and what Chase Jeter is going to be? Yeah, I, I think it's too hard to, to judge because with the injury injuries that we've had this year, I think that if we had Chase Jeter, Williams, um, ACOT didn't leave. I think that this is a much better team. It's, you know, I, I don't think we lose seven in a row like that. Um, so yeah, I don't think this is going to be the, the worst team. I mean, it's frustrating because people are definitely calling for Miller's head. Um, you know, because they, what they see is, is we have four and five star players, um, on the team and, um, you know, they, no matter what, they're just not going to be happy as far as why, why are we not winning? How can we lose seven in a row? And, you know, the way I see it, I mean, he can only do so much with his current lineup. And uh, we got four transfer players that are starting right now. Injuries, uh, you know, we still got stuff going on with uh, Phelps recently. Um, and, and, you know, it's just I think that he's doing the best with what he has. Yeah, let's spend a little bit of time on Phelps. So Mark Phelps is uh, an assistant coach, and Arizona announces, despite an ongoing NCAA investigation into its Shaq's kid. Um, O'Neal. O'Neal. Shaquille. Uh, Sha- Sha- what's his first name? Shaquif? Oh. Sharif. Sharif. So Sharif O'Neal. um had some online uh, credits in high school uh, that are being looked into, and there's some concern about uh, Phelps being involved in that inappropriately. So the university announces they're going to suspend him with intent to terminate him, uh, despite the fact that the NCA investigation hasn't found any official wrongdoing, and NCA and UCLA continues to have him in good uh, standing with the program, which obviously is a non-issue since he's not going to be playing with the cardiac uh, procedure that fortunately he successfully underwent earlier in the season. Uh, what's your take on that whole uh, handling of the situation? Cause I know a lot of Arizona fans were pretty uh, down on Hickey, um, Hickey's approach to this situation. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm like, I think totally differently than everybody else does. Everybody else is thinking that like we should have just swept it under the rug or kind of dealt with it another way. But I think that, with the microscope on our um, school right now, we have to to you know, have to do what they have to do. I think they have lawyers looking into this, and it's not just like a split second decision that they make. You know, I think that they they talked about it. Um, Miller agreed with it, obviously, and um, I think it's just a case of where 
they just have to be cautious. And I think it's the right move. I mean, I know a lot of people, they don't think so. They think that, you know, we should not, you know, not, not have uh, went to go, go through the steps to, to fire him and, and suspend him. But obviously um, it's, he did something that, uh, that wasn't right. And whether, whether it broke uh, any kind of rules or school rules, we don't, nobody really knows. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the pushback. Like, you know, nothing's been officially determined by the NCAA. And, of course, Phelps, you know, his position is that he'll be exonerated. Um, and I don't think um, people are so much pushing back with Arizona suspending him, although I think someone like Jason Shear would, you know, has been pretty vocal that, to your point, they should probably just let sleeping dogs lie. Um, however, uh, with intent to terminate is a little bit more aggressive than just saying, Hey, we're going to suspend you until the process plays out. Um, but I could certainly see it from your standpoint, like, Hey, let's be above reproach. The interesting thing about the timing of all that is this came right after Pete, uh, uh, Thamel, uh, from, uh, Yahoo sports put out an article basically saying that, uh, there's his quote sources, um, state that there's an NCA investigation underway at the University of Arizona. Now, listen, we all knew that the NCA had been cleared by the FBI to investigate the University of Arizona several months ago. Um, the, you know, this, whether an active investigation is occurring at the University of Arizona or not, was probably the only actually new piece of information in a pretty uh, searing slash salacious um, article from Thamel um, that that really um, used a lot of things that had already occurred, but put them out in a real sort of um, uh, a titillating format. Like, for instance, he mentioned that the uh, ABOR had met and discussed this pro this thing with the, the lawyers. Well, you know, this this meeting had already you know occurred, and they had already discussed it with the lawyers. It, it wasn't like this was some, you know, uh, fire drill response to a particular circumstance. This was an update on the status with the program and, and the thing, uh, and the, in the investigation with Abor, which had been, which had met several times about Sean Miller, uh, right. and, and his status there. So one of the finger pointings has been that Arizona sort of crumbled under the pressure of this, um, article coming out. What would you say to that? Um, I don't think so. I think that um, the NCAA knew, uh, or, or we knew that they were investigating, and um, I think that they're just being cautious, and I think that, I don't think they really crumbled, and I mean, hopefully details come out, and we really do find out exactly what what happened. I mean, I don't know if he just, it's just maybe something as simple as him not telling the truth, or or what it could be, but I don't know, I just really don't see it like, that we crumbled to and, and, and just went to terminate him. Um, he's still not terminated as of yet, but it does sound like he is going to be, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just really interesting how it all went down. Yeah. So from your sources, since, um, Phelps was a pretty big recruiter and was a lead recruiter on most of the guys in this, this number one class, what do you make of his loss for the program going forward? Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a loss, but, um, you know, right away people were saying we're going to lose Nico Mannion. Um, but that wasn't the case. He came right out and said that 
he's sticking with us and, and Phelps was his, his lead recruiter. Um, but I mean, assistant coaches are always going to be the lead recruiter. Um, you know, whenever it comes down to talking to the recruits and, and staying in contact with them. Um, but ultimately it, it comes down to the coach to, to Miller and, and his relationships. So I think it'll be fine. We'll be fine. You know, we'll, we'll obviously begin another assistant next year. And, uh, I think we won't miss a step. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I spent a lot of time and effort on college recruiting and, you know, I, I'm, I'm as prone to pull my hair out as anybody, uh, when it comes to Arizona's, uh, football recruiting, but in basketball, I think it's pretty simple in Miller. I trust, and I, I don't think I've been, um, anything, but, you know, completely reassured in that regard. Once again, he pulls in one of the top classes in the country, the top class in the country and, and nobody grinds like Miller. This guy is at every if you keep up with college basketball recruiting, even tangentially, like I do, this guy is at every, um, you know, camp program tournament, AAU event. And he is constantly grinding, watching recruits left and right. And I mean, Miller personally, not just his staff. So I totally agree with you that, yeah, the, the assistant coach is going to be the quote lead recruiter because they report that. And of course, you know, the first thing Miller said in his press conference when he signed this class was, you know, what a testament it was to his staff and how hard they were working after they lost their previous class, et cetera, et cetera. But I, you know, Miller's, my my faith in Miller uh, to lead the program going forward is based on the fact that this guy, you're going to have to pry it from his cold, dead hand before he's going to give it up. And, uh, and, <laughs> exactly. that's, and that's who he is. And, and, you know, you could argue about him falling short on final fours and, and this and that, but the guy works and um, th- there's just no doubt about that. And I think most of the recruits have kind of come back and said, Hey, you know, I have confidence in Miller. Like you pointed out, Nico Mannion came out and, and said that Josh Green has been pretty uh, vocal about that. And, um, you know, that they want to return Arizona to a place of prominence in college basketball. And that, you know, the information they're getting from the program is basically there's nothing to worry about. Oh, yeah. And and that has to give um, all U of A fans a lot of confidence because whatever Miller's telling them, they they got 100 percent trust in them. And, you know, they obviously get a lot more information and, and details than we do. So it's got to make uh, Wildcat fans feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Um- yeah, I mean, I, I, to this point, I, I think that um, there's a lot of heat on on Hiki. He sep- definitely stepped into a pretty tough situation, uh, having dealt with sort of the aftermath of a lot of the the assault um, and Title IX issues as it related to the program when he came in. Yeah. He's renovated the pool complex. He has renovated the softball facility. He and you know, let's I, you know, I, I'm not a big Greg Byrne basher. I know that's a popular thing to do now with the sort of unrest that was left in his wake. Uh, but I think Greg Byrne did a lot of nice things from a facility standpoint. I mean, that North End Zone facility is just outstanding. Um, and now we've got the uh, genie and. Jeannie and Cole Davis, right? Uh, that's the the couple that that did the indoor football facility that just got. Uh, um, yeah, to Cole and Jeannie Davis. Cole and so. Jeannie Davis. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Um, indoor uh, football facility. So I just uh, I think we should all take note that it is at least one foot longer, one foot wider, and one foot taller than ASU's uh, bubble. So there's that. Yep. And uh, <laughs> the inside view is very uh, impressive. So I think Kiki's, you know, brought uh, a lot of um, positive things to the program. But I do think 
hearkening back to the whole Khalil Tate tweet about uh, Ken Niamatololo uh, coming as a coach and him not run, wanting to run the triple option, and whether President Robbins and, and Dave Hinkie gave uh, him a lot of control, and subsequently how much President Robbins is really involved uh, sort of over Hinkie. I know there has been some commentary that basically Robbins said, uh, you know, I trust Hinkie to make these decisions. Do you have any right. you know, inclinations, concerns, thoughts uh, overall on sort of his tenure to date? I mean, I definitely wouldn't want his job. It's just he came into <laughs> he came into a situation that I don't think he ever would have ever <laughs> dreamt of of coming into. Um, and now, uh, with the investigation going on, and now Phelps most recently, um, whatever happened with him and and O'Neill's son, um, it's probably he's probably just pulling his hair out about right about now. So. Uh, you know, it, it's tough to say. Uh, it, I think, like you said, that he's done a lot of good things. I mean, um, it, and and it's just it would be tough for anybody to to deal with. And I think that no matter what, people would be criticizing, uh, you know, the AD if he didn't say anything about Phelps, and then all of a sudden, like we get suspended, and then it comes to light that, you know, we were trying to brush something under the rug regarding him and, and the the classes that O'Neill was taking and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's just, it's just right now it's, it's, it's truly to tell. Yeah. Not to beat a dead horse to death, but he, he did during, I believe it was a Washington state game call a press conference and basically come out and say that he supported Miller. It was kind of ham handed. I thought, um, and there was a lot of people, you know, pushing back like, well, is this in response to the Thamel article? Uh, and this was right after the Phelps announcement. Um, uh, I don't know. I know a lot of in the Washington State game, a lot of boosters came out to to visually, you know, stand with Miller and show their support for him um, on a lot of different levels. Uh, certainly, he's got that backing and in, in obviously a very important one. Um, what do you th- make of the boosters coming out and sort of, you know, standing behind Miller um, in that situation? Oh, it's huge. I, th- I thought that that was um, made a big statement. And I mean, maybe it did force Hickey's hand in a way. I mean, because we're already, um, you know, as far as um, fun, funds go, as far as uh, having the money to to pay Miller if we did let him go, and we already had to pay Rich Rod when we let him go. Um, the boosters are going to be the ones that are going to have to pony it up. So he's he's pretty much going to have to go with what they want. Yeah, the PNL sheet for the athletics department for both uh, state schools is probably going to make the A board want to pull its hair out. Uh, but you know. Todd Graham walked away with what eleven, thirteen million dollars, and and uh, Rich Rod walked away with six million, something like that. So yep. uh, it's going to be tough to make money when you're handing it out like that to coaches. So um, right. you know. Uh, anyways, um, I think that's pretty much all the things that uh, you know that have transpired. Unfortunately, uh, during a few weeks, I want listeners to know that um, one, we would appreciate it if you would uh, share the podcast. We definitely want you guys to go to playersprogramu.com uh, on the board there and check out all the work that Javi's doing. Um, he's going to be expanding his uh, bandwidth and offering um, uh, more um, service to the people that are on the website. Why don't you talk a little bit about the stuff that you got coming up on the website? Um, well, we already we already started putting up uh, game replays, so if you missed uh, any of the U of A games, um, 
then you can go back and watch them on the site. Uh, we already have live streaming of, of all the games. Um, and then, yeah, definitely get more bandwidth. Um, uh, we're going to try to start doing, uh, I just started to do uh, where you predict the score on the games and then you can win $25 if you get it right. Um, stuff like that. We're just going to keep adding more and more to the site. Um, just pretty much have an all, all in one uh, place where you can get all the content that you want um, on Arizona Wildcats, uh, basketball and and football just as much as basketball once once football season rolls around. Yeah. Oh my God, I just went back through, back through puberty there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing that we're going to be doing is partnering with you guys, trying to get as much content out as possible and having this other aspect to it. Both Javi and I are obviously, uh, you know, have lives outside of our fandom. So it's tough always to get together, but we're going to try to be more consistent going forward. And Javi and I are going to be working a lot harder to bring you guys more consistent content. And then we're going to be uh, rolling out a lot more uh contests and programs to get engagement with both people on the website and um and listeners to the podcast so please if you're listening to the podcast on uh, itunes or on google play or whatever podcast uh, ch- uh podcast catcher you choose to use uh please share uh our podcast and please uh, retweet the podcast when you see it on the twitter feed for players program you and for the arizona podcast remember that's echo romeo alpha podcast when you're doing your search anything else you want to hit on javi um no that's about it just um i just want to let everybody know even though it's a, a basketball players program you um sounding websites definitely we're, we're definitely um just as supportive of the football team and all u of a sports so um once football rolls around we're going to be going at a hundred percent you know with all the content that we can uh give all the fans and and you know just want everybody to know it's not all about uh basketball uh you know so yeah i think uh you know uh, so for me personally, I'm, I'm a much bigger college football fan. It's easier for me to follow. And I've just always been a football fan at heart. And I know you're more of a basketball guy. But I think once you go to the U of A and you become – you know, a U of A fan, you know, basketball's religion there. And, and, uh, I, I think that really is where the, uh, the butter meets the bread. But I do think that with, uh, Kevin, someone coming in and, and some exciting things happening and, and, you know, that really is a cash cow. I'd love to see the Arizona football program, at least take it to the next step and have some consistency and, and at least be a moderately consistently competitive program. Um, you know, for the oh, yeah. sake of my season tickets for Cramony's sake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, bear down, man. All right, bear down.